You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Note to self, teach fan-run co-workers how to read meters. Welcome in. I know you're not talking about me. No, of course not. It is another three-hour tour here on Fan Run. Russell Smith, Bear, Ben Slotnick. I feel like something's missing. I feel like someone's missing. Oh, there's Marcus. Rip Van Winkle. We'll see if uh, Marcus shows up today. Perhaps he is drowning in the pool of despair along with much of our fan base this afternoon. Dreary Thursday. It is fitting that on Groundhog Day, we are having this repeat discussion for the umpteenth time about Tennessee basketball going cold offensively and what that might mean for the future. Not a good feeling. Second time this season, Tennessee has overlooked and not been ready to play against one of its bitter conference rivals. I, I, I if I had told you that we were going to go out in, like that, yeah. If I told you back in the olden days, like when Buzz Peterson was drawing ten thousand fans a night to twenty-four thousand seat Thompson Bowling Arena, if I had told you, Bear, there's going to come a day in the not too distant future where Tennessee basketball is going to be so good. And some of these rivals that have been tormenting you for so long are mm-hmm. going to have a down year that Tennessee's actually going to lose to these rivals because they were overlooking them. I know that's insane. Yeah. But that's happened. Uh, I, that crossed my mind last night. The couple of times where I piped up and, and kind of tried to get everybody to pump the brakes on VR was that I, and we're, coming off like Kentucky fans maybe that's not a bad thing well no I, I when it comes to basketball I'd rather be like this than than just the acceptance of of you know the reality that you know resistance was futile our basketball team blew but I mean people were like beside themselves last night now, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it was a terrible loss people are really mad there there's a a, a dark underbelly to this basketball fan base right now. That is it's got like, an edge to it, doesn't it? It's, it's like being held back by unseen forces right now, but it is bursting. It's like it, it seeps through here and there. They're like, whoa, whoa that's, that's really ugly. Yeah. Uh, put that back. And then they, they win and like it goes down. But it's still there. It's still there. You can sense it yeah. lurking. Yeah. And last night. Like uh, there was a there was a hole over. in the seam and it burst out a little bit and you're like oh man that's that's not good but we're able to sew it back together but man it feels like if things don't go well in March that seam might just tear open to the point where the contents can't be put back in whatever bag is holding it inside right. like the upside down um, John Reed had a rare moment of clarity I was listening he had a really good point. Uh, the people 
that were seem to be blowing their stacks the most last night are the same people that say not, regular season doesn't matter. It's all about March. And for the most part, like, listen, it, it, to me, the people I know and I interact with and, and talk sports with here on the show, MLA, it's the same people. Well, to talk about the upside down, there, there are those people who have proven themselves a bit hypocritical here. But then there are people, you know, I, I have to take some responsibility for my own takes here. Like I've been saying, in a program where postseason success is not really expected, I don't really expect it, you have to enjoy the regular season and last night was not very enjoyable, and it's, you know, the fourth time, or I guess the third time, we'll take the Arizona loss and stick that aside. They're a pretty good team, but it's the third time that we've lost to a team that we probably should have beaten. Well, I mean, I mean, there's Colorado, which I kind of set that off to the side because it's, I mean, was that a pre-Thanksgiving game? Yes. I mean, I don't, pre-Thanksgiving, uh, you know, terrible loss and. It does. It is a blemish on your resume when it comes tournament time. But pre-Thanksgiving, no big deal. Kentucky's Kentucky. I'm really not as upset as I thought I was going to be with last night. I mean, that, that just happens during the course of the season. Alabama got absolutely blitzkrieged by a terrible Oklahoma team on Saturday. And it's it's hard when you're on the road in college basketball to go to somebody's gym and win, especially if they're – and they, Florida was highly motivated. We talked about it last night. They hadn't forgotten about last year. And it reminded me a little bit when Florida would roll in here when Bruce was first getting it going. I mean, what they had two different national championship teams that couldn't beat us in, in the regular season. And we got up for it. That's what they reminded me of last night, looking at them, how hyped up they were. Well, we talked about 71 being the target. We were five and a half point – or a five-point favorite, I think, at tip-off. It had gotten to five. And if Tennessee had scored 71, they would have won by four. So, uh, Tennessee – and the, the record now, I guess, is Tennessee's 13-0 and when they score 71 points or more. Now five and four when we score seventy-one points or less. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty obvious that that's kind of the target is seventy-one-ish points here. Tennessee doesn't hit it. I thought Gary Parish had some astute analysis of the Tennessee situation. Third time this season, Tennessee's lost as at least a five and a half point favorite. Tennessee was a sixteen-point favorite in Nashville against a Colorado team that's now four and eight in the Pac-12. Their second goofy loss was as an 11.5-point favorite at home against a Kentucky team that is otherwise 2-3 and three on the road with zero wins over schools ranked in the top 105 in the net. Wow. And the third goofy loss last night as a 5.5-point road favorite against a Florida team that entered with a 1-7 record in quad one opportunities. Those are three not good teams, period. And, of course, the main issue is offense, although I think our defense let us down last night as well. Tennessee shot 25.4% from the field against Colorado, 14.3% from three-point range against Kentucky. We were 20% last night. And 27.9% will go ahead and generously round up and say 28% from the field overall last night against Florida. 
So Tennessee now has three losses to teams ranked outside the top 30 of the net. That's not going to help come Selection Sunday. And you got some opportunities for more quad one wins coming up, but the margin of error is pretty much slim and none this point if you're talking about A, a one seed in the tournament, and the conference championship, which we've noted many times, it's important to us, again, in a program that is not known for postseason success, regular season championships, of which we've won one in seven years under Rick Barnes, take on added importance, and we're now two games behind Alabama. So basically the Alabama game is a must win, and you have to win out and hope they drop one, another one at some point, which could very likely happen. But I don't think any of us feel good about winning out in conference play as we sit here this afternoon. No, we still got to go where to Rupp. We're going back to Auburn at the end of the year. Do we play Arkansas and Fayetteville or here? Here. I'm trying to think what our other road games are. Kentucky, Auburn, Vanderbilt. Texas A&M is going to be a that, – that's one that I've had circled for a while that concerns me. See, uh, see uh, them jumping on us. That being a, a trap game. Another thing worth noting, according to Gary Parrish, is that Tennessee is the only school in the top 10 of the top 25, uh, as he sees it, he has his top 25 and one, that doesn't at least rank in the top 35 of both adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Tennessee now 41st in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is eight spots lower than any other team in the top 10. So when compared to the other top 10 teams, which, like, that's the goal when you're talking about postseason, like, where do we rank amongst the elite? Not good offensive. We're the worst offensive team amongst the elite. It's it's a weird setup, man. It's it's weird how much better Tennessee is defensively than offensively. And and here's the thing, man. I feel like Tennessee had open looks last night. Everybody wants the answers. Like, are, is our offense too complex? Is it too simple? Do we depend too much on this? Do we depend too much on that? And Shots I thought, didn't fall. Yeah, Will Warren had uh, he's uh, last night said something like it's really the make shots offense is sometimes what it comes down to. Yeah, like we we have. The looks. I don't think we had a ton of great looks against Michigan in that game last year. And um, I thought we had some good ones against Kentucky. We were just rushing. I thought we were rushing last night. We had plenty of open looks. You got to make some, man. You can't just shoot 20% from three-point range and expect to win against good competition. Tennessee is 177th nationally and overall field goal percentage we shoot 44 percent from the field on the year um the best teams in the country are right around 50 percent and that's really good obviously so it's not like you know 44 percent versus 50 percent there's but that like two or three percentage points can can make a a big difference that was frustrating again last night is when we just threw our offense out the window at like the four-minute mark and just started jacking up threes. And we're only down like 10 points or so. And finally, like somebody – Yeah, with the way we play defense, he hit a couple of twos and, and, and put them on lockdown. But I think Ziegler finally hit one 
and and made it a nine point game with like a minute thirty to go, give or take five seconds. And I remember thinking, it's like, man, if we had just not been screwing around the past two minutes, just panicking, shooting desperation threes, we just hit a bucket or two, or it got into the line, and and at like two bucks, it'd be a four or five point game with over a minute to play, which is and you wouldn't have been manageable. fouling with a minute and a half left either. Yeah, it's just. I mean, you would have been playing for that possession. You would have, you would have just you would have tried to trap and play defense and make them cough it up. But yeah, everything is. But we didn't. Our shots didn't fall. Only one man can fix this bear. Josh Heupel, Vol Nation turns its lonely eyes to you. He doesn't have much going on right now. Barnes bring him on is like a doesn't have um, much going on right now. Signing day was yesterday. We got a month till spring prep. Like, what's he doing? No one hypo? He's got an hour or two a day to go He's over there. He's in his and, touchdown scoring laboratory, drawing up new ways to score touchdowns. Well, that's fine. In exciting and creative ways. Carve out an hour or two to go to Rick Barnes' three-point shooting laboratory and figure out a way to draw something up, get us some shooters open. See if the hype daddy can scheme something up and get some shots falling for the big orange. I don't know. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Speaking of the hype daddy, Tennessee has named its new tight ends coach today. Hmm. Hypel hires from within. Again, Alec Ablin. Young Alec Ablin. What an opportunity, man. That guy's like, how old is he? He's probably like 27 years old. And he, now he's making six figures. He goes from being a he was quality playing control at guy to yeah, he played at 2013 to 2017, I think, at Mizzou. Oh yeah. So 2017, if he's like most people, is 21 to 22 when he graduates. It's five years. You do the math. His man. senior year was that year that Mizzou uh, busted. Was that Butch's last game when Mizzou busted us? Well, he. 2013 to 2017 at Mizzou, the last two seasons under Heupel and Glenn Ellerby was his position coach as an offensive lineman. So he is steeped in this system. After completing his eligibility at Mizzou, Ablin joined Hype and Ellerby at Central Florida as a grad assistant with Jeff Lebby as the offensive coordinator there. Ablin followed Lebby to Ole Miss in 2020 as an analyst. And at 21, when Hype got to Tennessee, uh, Ablin followed as an analyst here. So, He's again, a nice race. Yeah, a pattern here last year. Oh, man, uh, Cody Burns leaves for the NFL. Who are going to get? Surely any wide receivers coach in America is going to want to come and coach in this system. And I'm sure he had interest from all over. He promotes from within. Kelsey Pope who none of us had heard of, and does a fantastic job. This, he coached the Blitnikoff Award. I, I think we can all call the Pope hire a unqualified success. Yes, smashing. Um, I don't know if I used unqualified, right? Did that sound smart, or did I no, misuse No, no, it was an unqualified success. Yeah, 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 you used it correctly. 100%. This year, Gullish leaves. Oh, are we going to get a who? Are, who are we going to get for offensive coordinator? Are we bring Jeff Lebby in. Are we going to bring in the um, the guy from North Texas? He's spread guy. Are we going to get somebody from Oklahoma to to come here. Are we going to bring in a name? No. 
No, you're going to promote your young quarterback's coach, whose name I can't even remember right now. It's on the tip Hazel, of my tongue. Hazelton. Halsley. Halsley. Hazelton. <laughs> and uh, and, and at tight ends coach. Nobody knew who any of these guys were. Yeah, at tight ends coach. Oh, well, that's where we're going to hire the North Texas guy. Or we bring Jeff Ferris bring from, some, we, from UCLA. Need a hot shot recruiter. Yeah, we're going to bring in a recruiter. No. Yeah. I'm going to promote from within. And how can you argue against it at this point? You you really good can't. Track yeah, he's got continuity. I would be a little bit more concerned. I would be can have some concerns if we were talking about defense. But obviously, we know this is the Josh Heupel offense. I feel like you know we we know he calls the plays, but now it is important because you've said on, on many occasions you said that what the Golish ran the he ran the offense during practice. Yep. And I think Halsley will probably do that now. I think he'll have a, a bigger voice. They've got um, that Militello guy who's like Halsley's assistant, the assistant to the assistant. So yeah. he and Heupel can work with the quarterbacks, and Halsley will move around a, a little bit more in practice, and then they'll yeah. be up in the booth on game day. Offense is, again, not, not something I'm overly concerned about. The, uh, you know, the production, the coaching, the recruiting, the staff, uh-huh. the, like – the development. I think we're all fine there. Yeah. We should be anyway. I don't know. If, if you're not, then. Well, I mean, you mentioned that Ellerby was this was Ablin's – is it Ablin? Yes. His position coach at Missouri, I mean. A lot of continuity there. Yeah. Yeah. Ellerby did his – I mean, he did just as fantastic a job, uh, I think, as, as uh, Cody Pope. Yeah, I mean – it's interesting, too. It's a young staff, man. You've got Ellerby and Jerry Mack, who are, I want to say, around 50-ish, give or take a few years. Yeah. And then now you've got Ablin, who's mid-20s. Pope, I think, is late 20s. Yeah. And Halsley is maybe early 30s. Yeah. And Heupel's, what, early 40s? Yeah. So I, th- I think it's a good mix, and – Again, I I just don't know that there's that much to break down here. Josh yeah, I mean, Heupel has a good got, offensive staff. Yeah, I mean, but the entire staff, and then you've got, you know, some older, saltier guys like, obviously, Coach Garner and Coach Martinez, guys that have been around. And if if it wasn't the number one offense in the country that just averaged upwards of 50 points a game and the tight end position had been struggling, then – Maybe it's time to bring in some outside eyes. Maybe it's time to bring in somebody new, some fresh ideas and a fresh approach. But if it is the number one offense in the country and your tight ends had a, I thought, you know, Princeton, Fant, and Warren were were pretty darn good and you recruited a four-star tight end and Ethan Davis and everything's going swimmingly, Yeah, why rock the boat? I'm not because, I mean, we – had stopped utilizing the tight end here. Saw Jacob Warren uh, retweeted uh, a tweet announcing Ablin's hiring with a "Let's get it, let's go" something like that. So, let's so go. he's he's into it, which is a good sign. The players yeah. are into it, and again, everything just. And I hope he has a uh, hope he has a monster year this year. I mean the the stage is set. Like on paper, he should be the main guy he should be our first tight end well yeah and he'll be one of the main weapons in the offense 
I mean, we're all hoping that this McCastles guy can come in and is it Castles or McCastles? I can't. I can never remember. Because I, I, I felt Castles. like most games, fan at least got targeted once or twice for like a big time play. Feel like Warren got targeted most of every game for yeah. a decent chunk, and that should only go up. Uh, yeah, McCollin Castles. Hopefully, he can have an impact. The grad transfer from UC Davis, and of course, uh, Ethan Davis from uh, Georgia. Really nice looking prospect who's obviously going to have some. I think he's recovering from shoulder surgery, and he's uh, bringing him along nice and slowly. Yeah, tight end takes a while. That's a hard position to play as a fre- true freshman, unless you're Brock Bowers. Anyway, like going from high school to being asked to play tight end in the SEC, blocking an SEC tackle. Yeah, but you you got uh, hopefully two good ones and a prospect to bring along behind them. Things going well on on that side. But I know people are going to want to talk hoops today. It's okay. We don't have any guests. We're going to open up the phone lines here, and let's talk let it out. Open up a vein if you need to. Let's still. talk it out, man. Hit me. 865-546-8200, your number to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. 546-8200. The drive continues. Stay with us. All right, let's get right to it. We got a full bank on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Let's go! Why not? Let's start with TJ, the Kentucky fan. Good afternoon, TJ. You're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Eh, doing all right. We're still number two for a couple more days. <laughs> hey, you know, at least you haven't lost to South Carolina at home. Um, oh, we lost to them know, on the road in football. It sucked. Well, that's true, but... You know, one of the things, I listened to your voluntary reaction last night, and I listened to the first part of the show today, and I think, and it's not for myself or Kentucky, but I think you guys are selling yourself short to the loss to Kentucky because you're, you're banking it in with the Colorado loss and the Florida loss. Don't forget, when you guys played Kentucky, that was the first time we played the lineup that we've actually wanted all season and we are 5-0 and in the SEC since we started playing that lineup. So I know the record looked bad. I know we had some horrible losses. But that was the first game we tried a completely different lineup because Wheeler didn't even play that game. Who did you all lose to the other night? Uh, we lost to Kansas. That's right, uh, Kansas. And that – Speaking of that game, that was the weirdest game I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys watched it or not. The last, I don't know, eight to ten minutes, we had it within one. Had it tied. Had it within three. One, three, two, four. Back and forth, literally for nine minutes. And we just couldn't. Anytime we tied it up or got within one, Kansas would come down, throw up a three, and it would go in. I think they were literally five for five. The last five three-pointers they shot. In that they game. were. I was giddy watching it. Well, look, man, it, oh, it doesn't hurt Tennessee. It doesn't hurt Tennessee for Kentucky, Florida, for Colorado. To I mean, Colorado, I think I looked today. They're 60th right now in uh, – actually, I'm looking at Ken Palm. I, I don't know where they're at the net, but, like, if they could climb into the top 75 or whatever it is to – to make that a, a quad one loss instead of a quad two loss. I mean, that all 
helps Tennessee. So I'm just, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, you guys are obviously playing better, um, but I mean, besides Tennessee, have you guys beaten any decent teams in this little run you've been on? Oh, absolutely not. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I feel like, you know. teams. Your, your team's play better. There's no excuse for them to be as bad as, as they were coming into Knoxville at that point. Well, here's the thing, you know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you guys, too. I know you guys have a lot of good guards, but I think I heard it last night on Voluntary Reaction. You said you guys went tall or big. I mean, you got to look at Kentucky. They had – they had Sheway, Livingston, Poppin, and two guards out there for the entire season up till the Tennessee game. They had no shooters on the floor. The game's changed. You can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah, it's um, it's frustrating. I mean, from Tennessee's perspective, I, I thought that the Texas game changed when we went with a bigger lineup, and we about ran them out of the gym. And then last night, I thought Tennessee was about to put Florida away. We go up 44 to 38 with about 10 minutes or so to go. And Tennessee was doing it with two bigs. And we had Urosh and Cam on the floor together a lot. And I thought that lineup was working. And then, like, as soon as Tennessee went up six, I mean, we probably out, out, took over. Yeah, we were outscored like 20 to five the rest of the way, give or take a few points. All about matchups, man, especially as you get closer to March. Y'all have a good one, man. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate it. Let's get Phil in here next. Phil, you're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Why are you going, Debbie? What's up, Philly? You called it uh, yesterday. Trip. You you said uh, yeah. trap game. Yeah, no, I disagree with the last caller. Tennessee's guards aren't that good. We've got – We've got a little problem at guard, and it, it, it messed the rest of the uh, thing out of the equation. We've got a pretty good point guard in Ziegler, who's quick, and but he's undersized. And then you got two uh, wing players or shooting guards who are slow, yeah. and uh, are we they're easy to defend. Recluding, re- calling Triple J a guard in this conversation? No, I didn't even put Triple J in it. He's talking about Key and Vescovy, aren't you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Key is kind of is what it is. He's just a non-factor in, in my mind at this point. But Vescovy was first team all SEC coming into the year, and he goes 2 of 12 last night. I mean, that's not the kind of production. If that's what we get, it's what we got against Michigan, it's what we got against Kentucky. If that's what you're going to get, you're not going to be playing – postseason very long that's what you get when we're when we play teams that have uh somebody that can check him and, and face guard him and make him uncomfortable he's, he's got to start he's got to start taking shots here's the thing you say that and yeah they are Barnes said it after they're they're all doing the same thing they're all guarding the perimeter Vescovy had at least two or three open looks from three that he usually drills that he missed and Josiah was even worse. I mean, he was 0 of 5 from three-point range, and I feel like they were all five just about wide-open looks, maybe maybe one or two of them at most. But, like, I, I don't even know what to say, man. You, you go – those two go a combined one of 11 from, from three-point three range. Again, you're not going to win doing that. Yeah, yeah. 
In barns now, trying to reduce the rotation, which doesn't make any sense while they're while they're doing it. Uh, we got to where we are by playing at least nine or ten people a night and keeping try to keep them as fresh. Except for Ziggler, we don't keep him fresh at all. But uh, uh, the rest of the players are are you know pretty fresh. But now you're you're playing all these guys too many minutes, and it's going to happen. We're going we're going to do what we always do: fold in the tournament. I, I hear what you're saying, but pick, you know a game like last night. If we're playing, Mayshack played three minutes last night. If he's playing twelve minutes and we're losing, like we're we're all sitting here today saying, "What is he doing on the floor?" You know, like so. He's inept offensively. I, and I don't mean to pick on him. You say the same thing about Key Urosh Adu. I don't think really anybody gave us a ton last night off the bench, but. It's you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I I don't think playing more guys off the bench was going to help us win last night. So in other words, you 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 like you're you're all for reducing the rotation and can continue to play the players who aren't getting it done more same more minutes. Well, I I don't know. I mean, it's just like I said. Like, should we? I don't know. You want to play the bench more? Like, who on the bench that didn't play as much last? Last night, should we play more? Well, when everybody plays bad, I guess you're right about that. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, nobody played good. Like, there's nobody, even Kamwa, who was the leading scorer, I guess, at, or no, Zakai was the leading scorer, but Kamwa was four of 13, man. And there was a part in that game where you feel like, okay, he's playing pretty good, but it was still inefficient. Well, if you look at, I, you look at Tennessee's roster, though, it is not as talented as uh, everybody thinks it is. No, I agree with that. The The whole is definitely greater than the sum of the parts. Exactly. And now you're, you've you uh, pretty much lost the SEC title, so you got to play for the seeding in the tournament uh, and also play for uh, not have to play the first day in the uh, uh, SEC tournament. Starting now about three teams tied for second now in the SEC. Boy, that thought had never even crossed well, my mind. double by That we could be playing on Thursday? You know, yeah. when would you be doing that? Well, well. Yeah, it, it starts uh, – you, you got to snap it clear here, Phil, man. He, Bruce is coming to town Saturday, and he's not going to feel sorry for Tennessee. Yeah. We have to win. There's no excuses. And I hope this, uh, I hope this new tight ends coach can recruit because uh, – that's one thing we need uh, over there is a high-powered recruiter, especially on the offense. I mean, Reese. I mean, think about what you're saying. We've got the number one quarterback coming in. He signed a hell of a class. I mean, it's I. I don't think Hypo would gamble. That like I, I think he hires this guy, having been around him for years now, and saying. I see his work ethic. I know what kind of person he is. He's going to be able to recruit. Like, I, I just don't think that you would gamble because that would be dumb. And Heupel has not shown himself to be a guy that does dumb things thus far. Well. But we don't know until we, until we see it. It's all about recruiting. I mean, we can yeah. talk about X and O's all you want to, but uh, you're not going to be Alabama and uh, Georgia uh, with subpar recruiting. See? Didn't we beat? Alabama this year. That's true. 
<laughs> Maybe you are. I can tell Phil's under the weather. He's handling last night's loss remarkably well for that him. That was actually better than I thought it was. I, I, I thought it was getting – because I, I thought he was escalating. It was – yeah. He started getting kind of a – I had to de-escalate. Yeah. I hate it when you de-escalate with him. It's been a while since you and him had a good a good dust-up. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with what he's saying, but it's like, you know, yeah, Barnes is shortening the rotation. Yeah. But, you know, in the first – we start off and we're getting blowed out uh, on the road, and we get to that point where it's, you know, uh, we're, we're down 11 or whatever, like 15 to 4, and, okay, first TV timeout, time to sub, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what most teams do. It's what Tennessee generally does. But – we're going to put in Urosh and Jamai and Tyreek Key and come back. That doesn't seem like a recipe for success. So what do you do? I don't know, man. Starters aren't getting it done. Bench wasn't getting it done last night. Very disappointing. Will is next. Good afternoon, Will. You're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Hey, guys. Uh, obviously a disappointing result last night. I kind of had two things that stick out to me. One concerns me, and then one really surprised me. Um, <clears throat> the concerning thing to me is when I look at the throwing out the Colorado game, which I kind of agree with uh, Bear earlier, pre-Thanksgiving, you just toss it. But uh, the three games that we've lost, uh, Arizona, Kentucky, and Florida, the thing I see them having in common is just a really impactful big man that, and in the case of Arizona, too, that you have to really account for on offense and then basically takes away our ability to score at the rim, especially with Zakai and Santi. Mm-hmm. Those guys are totally rendered ineffective when there's a big, really good defensive seven-footer in there. And that's what concerns me is, you know, the matchup that we get in the tournament, certainly a Purdue would be kind of my nightmare. Um, but, yeah, just just not sure we we know how to work around that right now. Well, we wouldn't play Purdue likely until an Elite Eight matchup if, if, or, or the Final Four if we were to play them. So that, that would be fine with me. But, uh, obviously, it would be problematic at that point. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, and, and let's throw in Michigan to that equation as well. Last year with Hunter Dickinson, you're absolutely right, Will. Like, you put a good big man out there, an offensively skilled big man, and Tennessee has not handled it greatly, which is interesting when you consider their defensive prowess overall. Yeah, it, it you know, I get used to watching big men who catch the ball down in the post, and it's like they got that 3-2-1 mindset, like I got to get this thing up or get rid of it. You know, those guys are fairly easy to defend, even if they are 7-1. Um this guy just caught it with poise. I was pretty impressed with him. He could catch it with poise, and then they were running two-man game off him, little give-and-goes and stuff like that, and it just it just stresses your defense. And I think, you know, they turned to Euros to try, and um, he got abused a couple times. And, you know, I'm not bagging on Euros, but and then, and then it really hurts you offensively with your spacing when he's in the game. Um, well, the thing that but, jumped out to me about Urosh and other teams have done this, but not to the extent Florida did, where you know he gets the ball 
up at the top of the key and like Castleton just stays right there in the middle yeah. of the lane. Like not That's even all your passing lane. Usually yeah. usually the defender will step out near the free throw line in, in that situation. It's like, okay, go ahead and shoot at Urosh and he won't, but like they weren't even pretending to respect his ability to do anything, which just seems like it clogged up the lane like we and when you're not hitting shots and you can't drive what else are you going to do <laughs> right and and that's how you know that's how i would think if you overcome the bad shooting night you got to go get to the rim and get fouled um would have loved to have seen phillips try that a little bit more go just just he put his head down a couple times i thought and i was like okay clearly something's been said in the huddle like dude go get yeah. your shot go hunt your shot and then it, you know, I don't know if the flow of the game just didn't allow him to do it again or what. Uh, but that would be that would be the only thing I could think. You know, you got that big. I well, agree the with first Phil, play of the know, game, this, this. like they they pinned, they got Phillips on the post and just pinned him, and like we never did that again. Yeah, and he got to the free throw line and made at least one of them, as I recall. But yeah, he's, you're, he's a good free throw shooter. You, you know, he's a guy who can hurt you there if you can get him going. Get him on the line. Um, I mean, he's, not, yeah, he's like, in a, you can see it. I, I just wish that he we could get him going. If we could get him going with any kind of consist, that's your go-to guy. Well, you got Vescovy going two of twelve, and Josiah going two of eleven, and Phillips going two of four. Now, I'm not saying he's going to shoot fifty percent if he takes twelve shots, but a night like last night, why not give it a try? Give him some more shots. Yeah, when when it's just not happening for Josiah and, and Santi, like he needs to be assertive and say, well, I'm going to get my shots too, which I think is what Will is saying. Here's a, another question I have. Why would you not utilize him and have, take him, have him go straight at Castleton? Cause he's the one, you know, Zakai's not going to get a shot up over, around Castleton, but Julian Phillips could probably also draw some fouls and, and try and get Castleton on the bench. There's still time. I mean, a lot of the time, these the light goes on late for the freshmen. It did for um, Chandler last year, and it's starting to feel like if Tennessee is going to go to another level, that it's going to have to for Phillips at some point. No doubt. I view his offensive game as pretty much matchup proof, and I think once he decides that and – and he uh, starts hunting his shot more. It's it's only going to equal good things, whether it's even just spacing or just making the defense be more honest off of him. I I, I think yeah, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but I think that's the answer. Uh, and then the thing that really surprised me was, I'm sure it got talked about on VR. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but you, you get back into the game, go up six, and you just have the thought like, all right, we're not losing to these bums, and then it's just. Bam, bam, two tough fouls. They're back to two, but you still think you're going to hang on. I, I was shocked. Uh, that's that's exactly that where team. I was, Will. It's exactly oh, where wait, I was. Oh, yeah, we are all thinking. Uh, you're you up six. six like, okay, we got things this. getting ready to go to 10 or 12. We're, we're going to put them in the vice. Cruise control. Uh, yeah. That's what's so disappointing about it. It, it was going to be a great win, too, right? Because you, know, oh, you, yeah. you, made them think, yeah. you made them think they had a chance and – their crowd was into it, and they're up early, and 
they're fighting everything, and then you just put the clamps on them the last 10 minutes of the game. I was all ready to come on voluntary reaction and drink from the freaking keg of glory, man. And We're going to pull the uh, football, like, like the proverbial football out from Charlie Brown right at the end there. Little, little did we know, we were Charlie Brown. Yes, in this scenario we were. Yeah, it was all it was all there. Yeah, but uh, big chance to bounce back, and you know Jimmy Dyke certainly hammered the point that they were desperate. I kind of feel like we're desperate on Saturday. Better you be. You want to get this thing righted, so yeah, let's get this dub, and uh, yeah, take it easy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Will. Appreciate the phone call. Ben, does how old are you? Twenty one. Do you get the Charlie Brown Lucy reference? Oh yeah, he gets okay. Yeah, I, I most was wondering. Do. I was wondering if that was uh, no. I think Charlie Brown trans, transcends generations. I think the kids are <laughs> little kids are still shown Charlie Brown. I'll put the pole in the field here. Does Charlie Brown transcend generations? Yes or no? Stay with us. The drive continues. It's Fan Run Radio. We're back with more right after this. The- Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Marcus Young is here. Nice of you to join us. It's been a, it's been a day, I'll tell you what. Kind of feel like he's being a little bit dramatic about it. Dramatic? The, the trials of young Marcus Young. Dramatic. You think you've had a rough day oh. watching the Vols fall. Wait, what do you hear what's uh, been going on in poor Marcus's life the last 12 hours or so? <laughs> 865-546-8200. Let's finish up hour number one. Strong, though, as Tennessee reeling in the aftermath of a 67-54 to loss at Florida last night. And yeah, it looked like the balls were going to pull through. Vescovy draws the crafty foul, which two we of have to, them. Like we have to the the first one was the old Carson Edwards leg kick. Oh, it was the Carson Edwards special, all right. So, are we going to do that thing we as fans do, or we try and draw some minor distinction between the two, or are we going to say that? They were both bad calls, or are we going to say that they're both good calls and, you know, maybe Lamonte did fall for a veteran move in that they Sweet were, 16 game? They were, they were both bad calls, but they were both very crafty moves from veteran players to get a call. All, a, a lot of those things can be true at the same time. So I mean, it, was, it was a crafty move, and it's yet more evidence. I understand completely now. Even though I don't think he's a very good basketball coach at, at Vanderbilt, but the Stackhouse comments about Santi make a lot of sense, make more and more sense. Santi's got to find his shot, man. Yeah, he does. First team All-SEC player coming into the year. This I mean, is Come a, on, bro. He, he goes cold too often in these. You and, got you got to be uh, able – you're not always going to have a completely wide-open shot. Because he can get, with that shake he does, he can get somebody off of him. Yep. He's got to start pulling the trigger. Yep. And you don't, don't dribble down into the paint, dude. He, because you, you're you just looking to dish it. Everything collapsed. Nothing good happens. Or, or very I disagree rare. with that. I disagree with that. I mean, that's like, that's Alabama's entire offense is guard penetrate and kick it out. The problem is, like, he's our best shooter. And when he penetrates, it's Zakai and Josiah. And Josiah's 0 for 5, and 
And then Zakai, some of the looks Zakai turns down, I, I just feel like he's gun shy. I mean, you heard what Barnes said post game. So about Zakai saying he, he's got if he's open, he has to if he's open, it's his shot and it's open. He's got to take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's tasked. Confidence, man. Let's get Roger in here before the top of the hour. What's up, Rog? Oh, not a whole lot, Russell. I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. How, how y'all doing this afternoon? We're doing all right, Rog. Are you uh, shook up about the loss last night? Yeah, I'm surprised about it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, so I'm uh, not not bad about about us point about happening. I was hoping they would win, but I was about uh, I would uh, but, you know at the game and you know, hopefully we'll do better. Hopefully, but uh, it's a uh, I wanted to ask you. I just wanted to ask you about uh, about Philly uh, a while ago. He. Um, yeah, what was he? He was saying talking about the Tennessee football team that, uh, that that they can't need they can't be Alabama until they get some. Did he watch the game? Russell, did he watch the game past year football team to beat Alabama with less talent? Did he watch, <laughs> yeah, did, Phil. He was, he, <laughs> what are you talking he, about, he, man? <laughs> Good point, Roger. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he missed that game. Alabama. Huh. Yeah, I think he may have missed that guy. Yeah, he he conveniently forgot about that, Raj. Well, how about that? Yeah, that's I, I pretty good. You know, the, to be Alabama with left out, you know it. Bear, Russell. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, last night, um, you th- you th- Russell, you, th- you, th- you think the men had, had a bad night? Maybe. That's what happened. You think they had, you th- they think they had a bad night and they were tired? Had a bad <sighs> night and they were tired? Maybe that's what happened last night? Last night, you think? I mean, if, if they're tired, it's – like you can't have that happen. I mean, to me, that's, I'll, I'll that's on Barnes. You know, like it's not having them ready to play. Well, it's your responsibility to, like, you can't have them tired before a game. And I don't know if that's what it was, but if that was, to me, it's head coach has got to say, all right, you know, like, it's a long season. We're on this long road trip against a really good defensive team, Florida, number ten, sure. in the Ken Palm defensive efficiency rankings. Like, it's going to be hard work, and so we've got to, you know, whether it's going easy the previous day of practice or getting a little extra sleep, you know, easing off on your game day, whatever it is, that's that's on you. I don't know that that's what happened, but it, they certainly weren't ready to play at the tip. No. Thanks, Raj. Appreciate the phone call. we got to run here. Top of the hour, Marcus has your top four at four. When we continue on Fan Run Radio, stay with us. Hour number two of the show coming up.